There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Zensurance is Canada's leading commercial insurance broker, providing small businesses, startups, and entrepreneurs with the coverage they need. We shop over 50 insurance providers, meaning we help small businesses across hundreds of industries save on their annual premiums. Simply visit zensurance.com forward slash startup, and in just a few minutes, you could save up to 35% on the customized policy you need. That's zensurance.com forward slash startup. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Sarah Jakeway of MasterCard Canada. Sarah Jakeway is Vice President and CFO Canada for MasterCard, responsible for financial controls, budgeting, and forecasting. She works closely with the President of MasterCard Canada to drive strategic growth, and she sits in the leadership teams for Canada and North America. Since joining MasterCard in 2011, Sarah has held several roles with increasing levels of responsibility. She's a recipient of two MasterCard CFO awards, and she has a keen interest in quality management. Sarah holds a Lean Six Sigma green belt. Sarah is an active volunteer fundraiser and a passionate mentor in topics around being your own personal finance champion, career development, and life as a career mom. Sarah graduated cum laude from Loyola University with a BBA in finance and she now lives in Toronto. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me today. Delighted to have you here. The tradition at the Startup Canada podcast is that we try and let our very busy entrepreneurial listeners, we try and and let them know what's going to be the most interesting part of our show and why they should stick around to the very end, uh, what sort of gems they're, they're going to get in return. So what are the most important pointers that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? Well, I think with today's topic around leadership in 2021, 
I think the main thing for listeners is to take away that creating core values and sticking by them in times of hardship or change will help to capture and retain good talent. I don't know about you, but these days I find myself seeking deeper meaning in everything I do, both inside and outside of work. And I think this holds true for a lot of people. Companies and businesses that fail to inspire the workers today are going to lose out on the best talent tomorrow. So really, you know, driving a winning culture with decency is how leaders like myself at MasterCard approach leadership and culture. Decency serves as the foundation for all kinds of relationships that drives innovation, urgency, and enterprise-wide thinking and behaviors. It also informs us how we regard our employees and every single element of their lives, both inside and outside the office. And it's, it's how we continually evolve and innovate our people practices and solutions. I love that you started with, with 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 values, and you say that you know you're always looking for deeper meaning mm-hmm. in the work that you're doing. Can you explain a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, I think it's it's more about you know it's bringing my whole self to to the office, right? And it's that everyone brings their whole self to the office. So you have your person that's you know coming to the office every day and trying to do their best, but you also have a life. That's, that's not around work, right? Like if it's fam- family or interests outside. And so I just think it's important that organizations today are being more mindful of that. I think if this pandemic has told us everything, it's we're all kind of reevaluating what's important to us. And so if organizations and leaders don't keep that top of mind, then they're not going to keep the good people in their organizations. Absolutely. So let's take a step back and learn a little bit about you. Sure. So how did you come to work at MasterCard? And how did you fight your way up the ladder to the senior <laughs> leadership role? Um, it's, it's, I'm going to warn you, it's not really a glamorous story, Rick. I'd like you to picture this and the listeners to picture this. So I found myself on the cusp of turning 30. And at the time I thought, wow, this is, this is awful. Now I wish I was about to turn 30, <laughs> you know, from a, from a personal perspective, things were really going my way. I was recently married. I was in my first home in the suburbs of New York City. And yet from a career perspective, I was not feeling that where I was and what I was doing was were completely aligned to where I wanted to be. So there I was, and this is going to seem kind of silly, but this is actually what happened. I literally started Googling companies headquartered in Westchester, New York. And Westchester, New York is a suburban community and county right north of um, New York City. And MasterCard was one of the companies that came up with a, with a few interesting roles in finance. So at that time, I only knew very basics about the payments industry and MasterCard itself. But I was really looking for three fundamental things. One was a better work-life balance, starting with a shorter commute. And two, I was looking for a company headquartered near my home base. And the reason I was doing that is I thought it would give me the most opportunity for longer term career development and growth. And then the third thing I was looking for was the right cultural fit, which, of course, you know, you can get so much from a Google search. But, you know, I didn't really get too much of an understanding of what that was until I was able to interview for roles. And so that's kind of the non-glamorous story of, of how I came to MasterCard. And now I've recently celebrated my 10-year anniversary. And then in terms of how I found myself in the current role, you know, I could share all the details of every single job I did. And, and I think that would be a little boring for the audience. But I think what would be important to share is a little bit more about how I thought about my career and sure. my career progression at MasterCard. So the first thing I've thought about is that I've treated my career as a rotational program. So 
when I first started out and this, cause this isn't my own brilliant idea. I first started out out of university. I joined a company as part of a finance leadership development program. And it was this three-year program with three one-year um, opportunities. And I really learned that, you know, you had to come in, learn very quickly and then contribute really fast within this one year time frame. And it was great because I got to learn different parts of the organization, see different management styles, and also, you know, continuously build my own leadership style. So, you know, it's something that I've really held on to throughout my whole career and continued to do these two to three year rotations um, throughout the organization. And I think right now I'm on my fifth rotation here at MasterCard in my unofficial rotational program. The second thing that's been really important for me in terms of how you put it, Rick, I think was climbing the corporate ladder. I think I said fighting your way up. Fighting my way up the corporate ladder uh, is is network. Um, You have to be both a strong advocate for yourself and you need to get help from others. So throughout the organization, I've spent a lot of time networking, building relationships and, and gaining sponsors because the fact is you can't be everywhere at once. So you need to know that when a conversation about a new role or an opportunity is coming up, that your sponsor is sitting in the room and they know what you can do and what you want to do. And then I'd say the third thing is taking risks. Like even right now, I'm sitting here in Toronto. Almost three years ago, I was sitting back in New York. I have I had a young son. I had a husband. And, you know, I took a risk moving my whole family to another country. And it's been fantastic. And even as part of that, I gained a little Canadian because I had my second son. And so now I'm an honorary Canadian being the mom of one. Um, but, you know, getting to where I am in terms of the CFO role, I had to take that risk. And I had to gain this international experience. And, you know, I think it's just going to be something that's going to help continue to propel propel my career forward in the future. And so those are my three key things. But the other thing I'll I'll put out there for the listeners is just to realize that it also takes a lot of luck. Um, You know, I always compare this to like the Instagram versus reality. And you go on Instagram, or even you go on LinkedIn, and you see people have these fabulous careers, and everything looks all rainbows and sunshines, right? But the reality is, it doesn't really play out that way, right? There's some, you know, missteps and pitfalls and roles I really wanted that I didn't get along the way. And sometimes it has nothing to do with things that are inside your control and it just has to do with luck. So I would say, you know, you got to continue to be patient as well and just know that sometimes the timing isn't right. So I hope that helps. It's a little background around, like I said, my not so glamorous story about, you know, sitting in a basement in my new house um, and Googling companies in Westchester and, you know, how I've clawed my way to my current role. (laughs) (laughs) That is a a better phrase. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I I love both sides of that formula that you gave, which is to be a bold advocate for yourself, but also to seek out the sponsors and the mentors on the way, because from my short (laughs) career in corporate, um, I I, I learned both those things, but no one told me about them. So I, so, so I did have to learn them for myself. Totally. uh, they're both so important and I wasn't very good at the second one, but I got better at the first one and things changed when I became a bolder advocate and it wasn't so much pushing myself, but, you know, daring to share some views and speak up when I saw things happening that either I thought I, that, that I liked and I wanted to let people know or that I didn't like. And uh, so you do have to go out of the comfort zone a little bit. And but uh, 
I, I was never good at getting the mentors on side. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, and I mean, and it's, it's important to know it, for people to know that that's hard. It is hard. And it took me a long time too, because, you know, I think I thought at first, you know, I'd be, you know, if I sat at my desk and I did a really good job that people would talk about it and everyone would know, but that's not the reality, right? You really have to extend that wet network and let people know about what, like I said, both what you are capable of doing and what you want to do to continue to grow. And I think that goes within navigating, you know, a corporate career, but I think it goes for, you know, small businesses or entrepreneurs as well, right? You got to build that network so people know what you're trying to do. You know, maybe you're trying to get investor base or you're trying to get new customers, or maybe you're just trying to learn from others. You know, I'm, I'm finding myself very fortunate being at a large organization. So there's a lot of people that I can connect with and learn and, and grow from. But you're, if you're, you're finding yourself in a small organization, you're going to have a harder time finding that network. So you have to go out to maybe the industry or, you know, colleagues, maybe from school and tap into those networks to kind of just continuing to to learn more and develop. And like I said, build those advocacy groups for yourself. Yeah. I was very impressed. Uh, my daughter has just gotten her first job, her first full-time job after school. I mean, after finishing school and uh, within three weeks, she ran for the job of branch member of the overall um, health and safety committee or something. And I thought that was beautiful. She wanted to meet other people. She wanted to be known by other people. And yeah. so she took on what I would consider a very thankless task, but I was very impressed by the uh, the self-awareness she had to do that. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, maybe, maybe they're doing a better job of teaching that in school, Rick, from <laughs> the time that you and I were in school. We had to figure it out ourselves, but, um, but that's great. That's a great example of that for sure. Yeah. And and you mentioned figuring out your leadership style. Now, that would be of tremendous interest to our audience because entrepreneurs are sort of uh, accidental leaders in many cases. They're, the, the, <laughs> the archetypal entrepreneur didn't fit in in the corporation, so started their own organization. Yeah. If you're successful, you end up building a team and you find that, oh, my God, I'm the leader of this yeah. team. How do I do that? And they usually don't have training and they usually don't have time to get training. So they're mm -hmm. making it up as they go along. So what does it mean to develop your leadership style? That's a tough question, Rick. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I'm continuing to do. You know, for me, the number one thing is being my authentic self. And, and it's tough because you have to, in a big organization, you have to be in an organization that, you know, accepts you being your authentic self you know, learning, you know, what are those attributes that are important to you and that you want to continue to convey to your team? You know, it's also about building trust with your team, um, trust that you're going to be there and you have their backs, but also, you know, you've got to be able to trust them to be able to get the job done, right? Um, you have to empower them to think creatively and innovatively and, you know, treat the company like it's their own. And I think for entrepreneurs, that's a big one, right? Because this is probably like their baby. They've, you know, grown and developed an organization. And if, like you said, they're lucky enough to have a team to manage after that, they have to be able to build that trust within their team to be able to, you know, treat that company that's so important to them as, as their own as well. And so, 
for me, like, it's just kind of this ongoing evolution of figuring out, you know, like I said, I want to be off my authentic self. You know, I bring a lot of energy to a conversation. Um, not everyone shares my same energy, but you know, I am who I am and I find that that works for me. And then, the, like I said, the second thing is just building that trust um, and being able to take the organization forward with that. And I think it takes time to kind of figure out what your style is going to be um, and how you're going to interact with your team. But you got to kind of do it to, to figure it out. It's not something you're going to learn in any of your fancy business schools, right? Right. Are you a reader of leadership books? Um, I used to be. I have two small children now, Rick. Um, I find myself spending a lot of time watching whatever they have on YouTube um, versus getting time to read books. So not too much lately, unfortunately. I, You know where I get a lot of my news from is honestly LinkedIn because I could get those short snippets and like the headline and then like, oh, that's interesting to me. I have five minutes. I can click this and, and learn more about it versus being able to tackle an entire book at this time. But um, yeah. Right. I, I, I totally get that. And, and that's a good idea about LinkedIn because um, I'm not a power user, but when I do go on it, usually to track somebody down, then I find there's all these resources and the people that I'm connected to have published some interesting articles or you know commented on them and added to the discussion. And I mean, it's a rabbit hole you can lo get lost in, but yeah. If oh, one, for sure. If one, you know, uses their time wisely, there are a lot of good uh, and and up-to-date things there because some of the best leadership books are a little bit outdated and it's hard to tell what the which which of the newer ones are good. So uh, yeah, um, and I think the other cool thing about LinkedIn is it could be like where your follower base and what they're putting out there and saying, you know, relevant and timely and important to them. But also you can search and set up some searches based on some kind of hashtags. And, you know, I could put up like career moms or women in payments or, you know, um, women in technology and anything that kind of comes up with that hashtag is going to wind up in my news feed. So I kind of preset what are the topics that are of interest to me. And so you can do the same with things like hashtag leadership style. And then some things will start flowing through your news feed and an easy way to kind of keep up up with that um, learning and development from that perspective. Right. So back when I had to be a leader in an organization, we had these things called offices that I would go to every day. And I would, <laughs> I would put on a suit jacket and, uh, you know, and a clean shirt and go off to play the role of leader. How do I'm thinking particularly of career women, so, so, so men now who are staying home and sharing childcare duties will face this. How do you, maintain that leadership edge when as in the days of the pandemic when you're at home most of the time and if you have young kids and they're splashing around and making a mess and you're trying to juggle those roles of being a helpful hapless parent and yet a leader a respected leader of teams at the same time how do you maintain that not very well. I try my best. <laughs> you know, the one piece of advice I have is if you can find any way to separate the two, and that's a super challenge. And again, I don't do a great job of it. That's my first piece of advice. I will tell you when we first moved to Toronto, uh, my husband works from home. So we got this like really nice place and he has this beautiful work from home office. And so when the pandemic first happened, we were kind of getting along really well and in the office and sharing it together. And so we had this separate office space, but then 
we started getting on each other's nerves and I knew it was best for um, our marriage if I left his home office and, and found a new place. And I am now, even now speaking to you right now, calling you from and talking to you from my walk-in closet. So I've turned it into a home office space as best I can. I've got my big computer monitor. I've got my big cup of coffee. I put up some photos, tried to hide some of the clothes and shoes. But again, tried to find that little space, my little haven, so I can channel, you know, Sarah's career leadership kind of person at MasterCard versus the mom that's going to go have to deal with spills and stains and dirty diapers when I walk out of my, you know, walk-in closet slash office here. I'm also very fortunate. I have help. I have an amazing nanny that helps with my youngest. I literally could not do it without her support as well as my partner, my husband's support. But like I said, that separation is key. Um, I'll tell you at points in the pandemic, guess what? My kids were on video. I bet everyone at MasterCard Canada has seen my sons, um, (laughs) especially my six-year-old PJ. And, you know, it's reality. And like I said, one of the key things for me about being a leader is that I'm my authentic self. And the reality is I can try and separate as much as I want my career self from my mom self, but I'm the same person, right? And I actually think being very open and transparent that especially during the pandemic that I had some of those challenges and that those things kind of, you know, I wanted to use the word mush together, but that has like a negative connotation, but it kind of was like mushed or melded together. I think other people were having similar challenges and it made them feel like, okay, well, if, you know, she's dealing with it and she's trying to make it happen and nothing's perfect for her, like at least my situation's the same, right? And so I think it was really relatable to people when they saw me having to go on mute in that Zoom call and they could visibly still see me on camera yelling at my six-year-old for whatever trouble he was getting into at the time. But it's not easy and it's okay for it not to be perfect and for it not to be easy. You know, it's but as we're, you say, we're all it, trying our best, right? Right. As you say, it's so much easier if you can bring your authentic self to work, if yes. you can be the same person in both places. And, you know, I think a lot of people have struggled to do that because they think they have to be one person at the office uh, and and a different person in, you know, personal life. But the more you actually integrate those two selves, then hopefully the easier it is to deal with all of the uh, tensions and interruptions and mushiness mm-hmm. that, that, that comes with COVID and whatever work structure follows the COVID period. Because I think there's going to be a lot more blurring of the lines between what's the home and what's the office, uh, no matter what happens going forward. For sure, for sure. How do you think that the pandemic has changed the role of leadership in 2021? Yeah, I think it's a good question. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's as much of a change as much as it's a reinforcement that leadership in times of change really requires stability. So when you have these traditional systems of social and economic stability that are faltering, People expect employers to provide clear points of view and perspective on for navigating these turbulent times. So I just think it's really, really important for organizations to stay consistent with those sets of core values that they've developed over time. I know at MasterCard, we continue to rest onto our principles of sense of urgency, ownership and empowerment, and thoughtful risk-taking. 
I would also say that as part of that stability and relying on core values to support the employee base, I found myself as a leader really spending more time around employee well-being. So I'll just give you an example. Um, Like, let's say a typical one-on-one that I have probably weekly with my team would be 30 minutes. And let's say the first five minutes would be catch up, chit chat, 20 minutes of work content, and maybe five minutes to close and clarify next steps. But that I found that over time in the pandemic, it was evolving to more time spent on things around, how are you? Like, no, no, don't give me the blanket answer. Like, really, how are you doing? Are you getting time to get out away from your desk and take a walk? Are you, you know, are you able to get up and get some lunch? Are you scheduling your vacation time? Are you available of the resources that MasterCard has made available to support us during this time? Have you used them? What do you think? So really driving into that whole person again, that this isn't just the person that comes to work, that they have a life outside of this. And it's, it's really tough right now. And, you know, it links back to one of the things I said in the beginning for, you know, the key takeaways that, you know, decency and, you know, keeping that as a fundamental core value for leaders, I think is so important and that you need to be focused on all aspects of your team's life, both inside and outside the office. Right. Can you share with us a story at all about the impact it makes when you as a leader take that extra couple of minutes to ask people, hey, how's it going? How are you? How are you really doing? I mean, for me, my leaders asked me those questions and I know how it made me feel. It made me feel like they care. Like I'm bringing my best self I can to the office every day to office, quote unquote office, right? Um, Virtually and doing my best and trying to do what's best for the organization to keep moving it forward. And, And it just made me feel good. And it made me feel like, wow, like, this is an organization that cares about me. And so it just made me want to continue to do great work, to be honest with you. That's a beautiful example. That's lovely. Thank you. It's real, to be honest with you. Um, And, you know, it it was interesting too. (laughs) I'm sure other people felt this, but, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was one of those things as a leader, I felt like, oh, I've, you know, I've got to create all these connection points for our team, like for me, for the one-on-ones with my team, um, but also just as a team and get us together and have those connection points because here we all are trapped in our houses and we don't get the opportunity to just be able to walk over to someone's desk or chit chat in the hall on the way to a meeting or coming out of a meeting. So like I said, at first I was creating all these connection points um, during the day, but what I found over time was that we were all getting totally overloaded with meetings. And so I had to really reevaluate those virtual connection points to ensure that they weren't doing more harm than good. You know, we've heard terms like, you know, Zoom fatigue. And I don't know about you, Rick, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I was really happy to get on like virtual happy hours with my friends and doing all that. But after a while, I was like, I really just don't want to be on the video anymore. I don't want to see everyone. Um, I'm over it. I just want to kind of be by myself. So it's interesting because here I was saying, you know, one of the key areas that I thought was reinforced during the pandemic from a leadership quality was stability. But I think the also the other important thing was that, you know, we had to really be agile and know that 
we're operating in a totally new territory and we have to kind of keep checking in and listening to our teams and being able to adapt as the situation evolves. And even as I think we get into this next phase um, where we, you know, return to the office or this hybrid kind of approach, I think it's going to be important for leaders to continue to keep that ear to the ground and evolve their position over time. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, you know, the pandemic has brought new issues around the workplace and proper functioning, getting stuff done, um, new ways of doing things. And it's it's made leaders' jobs, it's changed uh, the leaders' jobs. I'm wondering, as we continue into this sort of uncertain future, what are the qualities that you think uh, business owners and founders should be looking for when hiring managers and leaders? What new things have we learned about leadership that we have to be aware of as we hire or develop that next generation of leaders? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I would say, you know, at the end of the day, companies are only going to be as you know strong as the people that work for them, right? So I think when founders are hiring managers or really anyone throughout the organization, they should be asking the question, is this a person that's going to invest in their people? Are they going to set a clear vision and a sense of purpose that promotes decency and seeks out diversity? And the reason it's so important is that culture and leadership are ultimately the elements that are going to attract top talent and retain them and, you know, really get them to do purpose-driven work that's going to impact their customers, their communities, and their coworkers. At MasterCard, our approach has stayed consistent throughout all these uncertain times with the fundamental parts of our decisions being able to drive a winning culture with decency at its core. Our leadership principles are reflected through our behavior, not through things like titles. And they're applicable to everyone because leadership really does happen at every level and with every interaction and every connection within internally in the organization as well as out. So it's really that fundamental question of, when I'm looking at hiring, is this person going to invest in our people and are they going to do it with decency? I love that question, but what does it actually mean? Are they going to invest in people? Because I mean, they're hired mm-hmm. to do a job and they've got certain outcomes. What does it mean? Uh, will they invest in the people around them? I think it's, are they going to invest the time and the energy to continue to develop that whole self of the people, right? And, you know, it's not just, there's, there's obviously the stuff that has to be done, right? Like I've, you've got my giant checklist and I've got to go through it every day and make sure I keep up with that stuff. But it's also investing the time to say those questions, like I was talking about, like, how are you doing? You know, how's it going? Or, you know, what challenges are you facing? Because I don't think if, I think if you just kind of have these people leaders that are coming into an organization and they're just focused in on the stuff that has to get done and not the person who's doing it, you're going to have people, again, kind of tying back to that, the pandemic has showed us that we're all seeking a deeper meaning now in in the things that we're doing. I think you're going to start not being able to hold on to good people. They're going to say, this is some place I really want to be. Um, I'd rather spend more time with my family or I'd rather be part of an organization that cares more about me. I got to say, I wish that I'd worked in organizations where leaders invested <laughs> time and energy in their people. Um, it it wasn't a big thing back in the, yeah. the 80s or 90s uh, to do that. It was assumed that we knew our jobs. It was assumed that we knew our place and go ahead and turn out your widgets. Um, so the, if, if this is the way companies such as MasterCard are thinking now, I, I, I think that's beautiful. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's true, right? Like we're at this turning point. This is this pandemic has just changed the way people are thinking, right? So I do think it's really important for you know, even the listeners on the call is you're continuing to grow your business and you want to get the best of the best, you're going to have to be thinking about this. You can't just be thinking about, you know, people aren't just going to come in and like you said, churn out widgets. They they want to bring their whole selves to the organization and be cared about as a whole, their whole selves. I'll bet that some of our leaders are as insensitive as I am. And <laughs> when, 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 when they meet with their team, they say, okay, how's it going? Okay, now what about Tuesday? Are we ready for Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the questions that you like to ask to sort of slow things down and take that time to deal with your team members as people? Yeah, it's a great question because, um, and I'll be honest, I'm not great at it either. I, I usually just go totally into execution mode, right? Because um, there's a lot to be done. But it's, that's that, that's that, that's exactly the the the, yeah. the 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 friction, isn't it? There's a lot yeah. to be done. There's always a lot to be done. And how can we possibly take time going down these rabbit holes of asking people how they're how they're feeling? And believe me, I I catch myself in all of these because you know I look at my schedule. It's back to back to back to back, and it's hard to switch right, like to go from that feeling to execute to feeling to execute right. But I I've really built it into a practice now. And like I said, the pandemic has really shifted my focus to put more energy on this. So really the questions are, you're always going to, you know, even when you are totally execution focused, none of us just go into a meeting and go, okay, let's get out the agenda. And did you do maybe you always have the niceties, right? Like, hi, how you doing? How was your weekend? But those are always very surface level, right? And then your employees and your your team is going to say, yeah, it was great. Thank you. You know, it was really that follow-up question that was the more important. I'm like, no, like, really, how are you? And those, what are you doing to get some time to yourself and to think? Like, are you just back to back in meetings? Are you able to get out, you know, on a beautiful day and enjoy it and take a walk? Um, are you getting time to eat a healthy meal? And and really having those conversations and being relatable too, because I was having challenges doing those things. I was having challenges with scheduling a vacation where I knew I wasn't going to be able to go anywhere and that I was going to be sitting at home, you know, with my kids that I'd already been trapped in the house with for several, several months. Right. And so I was just, you know, making sure I got to that beyond the surface level of, Hey, how you doing? And, and also I would say it's not just the questions, but being relatable and letting my team know that, Hey, we're in this together. I'm, I'm having the same challenges, but we all got to hold ourselves accountable and make sure we're doing the right things. Like simple things like taking a walk, getting up to take a cup, get a cup of coffee or, you know, scheduling vacation time, even if it is means you're stuck at home with your family watching Coco Melon on TV or YouTube. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Man. Anyone who's listening who has a young child will know yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a key part to being a good parent. <laughs> Yeah, I I, only, I I know the kids programming from 20 years ago, and, it, and those <laughs> songs still echo echo in my head. Oh, for sure. One of the things we're hearing so much about in leadership now is the importance of diversity and inclusion, uh, not just through the workforce, but in the leadership team. I'm just wondering yeah. uh, what benefits you've seen from that, if any, and how entrepreneur how you think our entrepreneurial audience should prioritize representation this way. For sure. First, I'll just say, I think that everyone 
in an organization is responsible for creating a workspace that's diverse and inclusive and equitable. But leaders do have a particular responsibility to look around the table and see whose perspective is missing and actively create an inclusive infrastructure. So, you know, why is it important? I think a diverse and inclusive space should be prioritized because it lends itself to be a space where everyone feels equally involved, supported, and free to be their authentic selves. When spaces are diverse and inclusive, including at the leadership level, employees feel more at ease and can therefore be more productive and exhibit higher engagement and lower burnout. And then they feel empowered to establish stronger relationships and deliver innovation. So the way I think about it, it isn't the feel-good topic of the day. Like This is stuff that needs to happen, and it's stuff that's going to help propel your organization forward. Any idea how entrepreneurs can approach that as a process? You know, for me, I'm a finance person. So like put it in Excel, you know, even (laughs) as simple as who's on my team, you know, this is who I am and this is the perspectives I'm bringing. And this is what's missing. Like, or even taking a look at your customer base and saying, okay, here's my customer base. Does my leadership team represent that customer base in their points of view, in their perspectives? And just really drill into it that way and then kind of say, okay, what do I have missing? We got to get this person, uh, you know, a seat at the table. Fantastic. Start with a spreadsheet. Yeah, it always comes back to spreadsheets with finance. Yeah. Leadership is usually thought of as referring to, you know, internal guidance and management of people, mm-hmm. but uh, businesses can also be leaders in their industry or in their community. Um, wondering what advice you'd give entrepreneurs who want to become community leaders or scale their impact in their community if they're already doing good stuff there. For sure. I think a lot of people are probably listening going, I really want to do more for my community, but where am I going to get the time to do it? Um, you know, my biggest advice would be as an entrepreneur, you clearly are already a passionate expert in the space of your business and your area of expertise. So don't try and reinvent the wheel. Just play in your space. Bring your business and the community together in a way that you can scale and find ways to do both. You know, at MasterCard, we talk a lot about doing well by doing good. And we know it's important to be leaders within our industry and our community because we know we're going to succeed when the world succeeds. Our mission is is to power an inclusive digital economy that benefits everyone everywhere by making transactions safe, simple, smart, and accessible. And we understand how interconnected the world is. And we see how firsthand our commitment to environmental and social responsibility is directly connected to our continuing success as a business. So it's really about finding a way, again, you know, I don't want to use the word mush again. Like there should be a contest. How many times do I use that word in this podcast today? But it's a useful word. You know, I picked it, up. it is, it is. It's a great word. Um, but it really is about bringing them together. Right. Right. Looking ahead. Um, you know, the business leadership scene has changed so much. Just wondering what your predictions are for the future or your hopes for the future when it comes to business leadership. I think both my prediction and my hope links back to something we, we've already talked about a bit. It's really that continued focus on diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion are mission critical to the ever-changing leadership landscape. You cannot sustain success without it. 
It makes us stronger. It makes us smarter. It drives innovation. It's what keeps us adept at seeing future opportunities or challenges and figuring out a way to prepare for them. So for me, that's that, like I said, is my biggest prediction of where there's going to be continued focus on, but also a hope that there's that continued focus on it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think more and more entrepreneurs are, and this has been a delightful discovery I've made over the past few years, that more and more entrepreneurs are being fueled by these missions. They have a product or market-related mission, but also a community mission and uh, a social mission. And when those two missions align, and sometimes you have to you know, fit them around a little bit like a puzzle piece till you find where they fit together, then you find, hey, suddenly the business mission becomes clearer. Suddenly the the the, the morale and motivation uh, grow as you see that, hey, we can do both these things at the same time. And not only will we be better be- for it, but so will our customers and our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Finally, before we let you go, Sarah Jakeway of <laughs> MasterCard Canada, do you have one more piece of actionable advice. And that doesn't mean that you can get sued for it. It means that people will take action right away to implement in their business in order to (laughs) uh, improve uh, the quality of their leadership or the effectiveness of their business. Yeah, I think coming out of today's conversation, the piece of advice I'd have would be just to take a step back and really reflect on the leadership and culture in your organization. Leadership and culture are what define a company. It's going to be how you attract the best people and how you retain the best people. It defines what drives your company and it's how you interact with each other um, every single day and how you achieve long-term success. You know, we spent some time today talking a little bit about MasterCard and the culture we have here and how it rests on this bedrock of decency and that companies are only going to be as strong and smart and forward-thinking as the people that work for them. So you know, enabling this sustainable, successful organization means, you know, investing in people and leading with a clear vision, leading with a sense of purpose and promoting decency. And those attributes are elements that are going to build a culture and guide an organization through shifts in all kinds of crazy times with, you know, shifting social conventions and shifting economic drivers. And they're going to be the things that help an organization to be successful over the long haul. That is so cool. You've used this word several times, and I think I can't let you go without asking if you can define sure. decency. It means, you know, being a good human, <laughs> uh, being good, being kind, bringing your best, leading with your heart, and, and you know, the, the rest will follow. Doing, you I know, have, like yeah. MasterCard's big fancy statement we use and, you know, all the good marketing people our organization use it is doing well while doing good. And, it's something that I've seen the organization do externally, but it really is what we do internally too. And, you know, decency to me is a big piece of that, of, of how we're, you know, working with each other and how we lead our teams. And what was that phrase again? Doing right by doing, doing good? Doing well by doing good. Doing well by doing good. Love yes. it. We'll yes. leave that as the last word. Awesome. Sarah Jakeway is the VP Finance and CFO of MasterCard Canada. Uh, she's had an amazing career ride so far, and I'm going to be very interested in seeing how long it takes you to, to claw your way to the next level, because uh, <laughs> I think everyone will be better off for it. Thank you so Aww, much. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.
Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence. <laughs>